Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by my co-host Andrew Bartram and Kate Miller-Wilson. Hello Andrew. Hello. And hello Kate. Hi. Right, first of all, I just want to say thanks to John Boyce of Odyssey De Vere for taking part or, or stroke putting up with an interview uh, by Andrew for uh, our last mm, episode. It's more like it, I think, putting up, I think. Yeah. So uh, hope uh, you guys have listened to that because uh, that was that was a that was a good listen. I really enjoyed that. Um, okay. Well, let's move straight into what we're going to do this week and let's go over to the link not Lincolnshire Fens, is the Cambridgeshire Fens, mm. and see what uh, Andrew's been up to. Uh, get my darkroom up and going really I'm sticking to my pledge not to take too many pictures um, I have taken some but nothing with large format but yeah getting the darkroom up and ready really so um, what a, specifically um, tidying the darkroom yeah I'm, I'm pre- pretty much doing everything in the darkroom to avoid actually going in there and making prints but uh, I'll be happy once it's tidy and sorted out I did have a problem with my Miopta enlarger, and um, I didn't think it was. I didn't think the color filters were working properly in the head, so I took the head off and undid a load of screws, and uh, didn't think I'd ever get it back together again. But I did, and it seems to be working now. So that's a result, isn't it? Yeah. And I oh, and I coated some paper with liquid emulsion, and I've been playing with that to. Uh, I think part the trouble I'm having, right, I really love what people like Graham Vasey do with it because they kind of just slap, no disrespect to, to Graham, I think it's a very deliberate artistic thing. He slaps it on and he doesn't really bother too much. And it, and that's part of the result. You know, he gets the image kind of disappears in, in areas, then it reappears. And I think I'm in my head, I'm trying to, it's like I'm trying to coat paper like Ilford. <laughs> And I'm slightly disappointed when it doesn't, when it's when it's not looking uniform. And someone pointed out to me, but if you wanted uniform spread, you can just use Ilford multigrade paper. You don't need to, you know. That's the idea of using a brush is that it looks kind of brushed on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Although, although I think there's there's definitely something to be said though, isn't there, for the way that you brush that stuff on, and yeah. making that look like you've just brushed it on, as opposed to somebody that really has just brushed it on there's a, there's a skill yeah. in itself isn't there yeah i'm not really good i've now bought a wider brush <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know uh, i've i got re- really annoying little bubbles on the last one and the little bubbles weren't there before but it's because i i watered the emulsion down with some photo flow uh, wetting agent uh, and it certainly it certainly made it go further, but I don't. I don't really like the result. So I think I'm going to use it neat from here on in. And I've got. I've. I've now got a three-inch Japanese brush, uh, or what? You know, one of those sort of flat. I think they call them hake brushes, as opposed to cod brushes. And uh, before you say anything, and uh, yeah, and so I'll see how I go. But uh, I, I'm. I'm honing the technique, shall we say, at the moment. So. Uh, so there we go. Well, before before we got going, and um, we were in, including Kate, we just uh, we saw those photos you just shared in our little mm. our little oh, chat. I'm very excited about that. So, what, what, they were they direct direct positives? Is that what was going? On? No, no, no. So, 
did did I talk, did I tell you about my upcoming exhibition? <laughs> he says grandly at the Oxfam <laughs> shop in Huntingdon. <laughs> did I tell you about that, or was that another podcast? I, I think I think we have covered it, but I'm sure that people would have me, forgotten about that already. So uh, please go ahead or, and do or, it again. <laughs> or, or like you, you just weren't listening. So I've got this little mini exhibition in uh, in what Amy, you, uh, sorry Amy, uh, Kate, you'd call a uh, thrift store. Sure. Um, so this thrift store in Huntingdon, where I live, you've probably got a few Huntingdons in um, in the USA, I gather. But this, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> this, this one, this one's in Cambridge here, and it, it specialises in books and vinyl, and it's um, run by a guy who's it's just a lovely chap. And he, um, I was chatting to him, and I'd bought a book on darkroom printing, and uh, he, we were chatting, and he, he basically offered me an exhibition. So in his window. Um, which all sounds very grand. And he just, I showed him a few pictures on Instagram and Flickr. And he said to make it local if you can, because folks like pictures of local things. So I said, well, my landscape is, is the, is the, is the Fenlands. And you know, this Kate is a, um, a flat, flat landscape drained, drained by Dutch people in the 17th century. Largely uh, the soil is black and peaty, lots of straight lines uh, either roads or telegraph poles or drainage ditches, you know, and it can be very, very evocative. And my first thoughts were to make, I've already got some large format prints, but you know, I wasn't really too happy with them. And I've been meaning to go back and reprint some. And then I was looking at my Flickr feed the other day and I thought, you know what, some of the ones that really speak to me the most about the Fens are the ones I've done using Polaroid pictures. Uh, black and white Polaroids, and I've gone out early in the morning. It's still misty very often, and it's just caught an image, caught a uh, feeling of the fens, which I really, really like. But, of course, they're little Polaroids, and I don't think exhibiting these little Polaroids in the window would be great. So I I, um, tried uploading them to uh, Ilford's website, Ilford in uh, Cheshire. I think it's actually called Harmon Laboratory, but they do... Uh, really good quality prints and the website's super easy to use uh, and it tells you if the resolution is big enough for the size that you want and mine weren't so I had to go back and rescan them so I've I took my Polaroid and I've, I've now got four eight inch by eight inch prints from Harmon Labs I think they're called and they're superb uh, I think the including postage it was just under 25 pounds for the four of them but they look great and uh, I'm going to window map them and um, write up a little bit of blurb about the fens and photography and what I do. And that'll, those four images, I might, I might get one or two more done, will be the basis of my little, little exhibition. So it was going to be darkroom work, and it was going to be large format. Now it's neither. It's Polaroid and uh, prints that I haven't made. But I re- they've done a great job, and I'll, uh, I'll, sh- I'll share them into the group. It's yeah, lovely they, work. Have you used? Har- I, th- I think they're called Harmon Labs, um, uh, Simon. Um, I'm, I've got a feeling a friend of mine sent some HP five over to them uh, a few years ago for developing. Uh, just for, for, for developing, yeah. But yeah. other than that, no, I've, I've not. Well, the website's super easy to use. It gives you lots of choice about final image size and. Uh, um, different types of finishes and 
I uploaded them at the weekend and they came back today in a big, big cylindrical tube thing, you know, very well packaged. And uh, I, I was really, really blown away. Well, I've been thinking, of, sorry, I've been thinking about how to get my Polaroid images, you know, just up on the wall, really, because that's some of the work that I've done most that I really like. And so now I think I've realized that if I just send these files off to Ilford Harmon, Harmon uh, Technology, then they do a great job. No, I've, I really like the look of them. A, the, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Polaroid, uh, but I really like uh, how these images have come out. So it, it makes more sense to me now because they're literally just, fo- well, actually they're more than just photographs of Polaroids, aren't they? Because there's some weird things going on around the edges and things. What, what kind of, that, that wasn't so, something that just came out of one of those 600 Polaroids, is it? No, the, I think one of those shots is from a, a, a plastic box Polaroid camera, the, and there's at least two there are from an SX70 Alpha 1 camera, which is the sort of Rolls-Royce um, folding glass lens Polaroid camera. Um, but when – so I shoot with just black and white film with the white border, but for those Fenland ones, what I've done is just taken a an X-Acto knife just, uh, and peeled away – the white border and when you wow. peel away the white border you get that kind of grungy look underneath you see that was that was a bit that was confusing me i couldn't really understand and then i either. and then i just crop it to a square as opposed to including all the rest of the frame yeah no, very effective mm. there we go so okay. that's it that's me what about you uh I've already told this story once, actually, on the Classic Lenses podcast. But yeah, but our listeners don't listen to that. Of course, of <laughs> course not. Um, and uh, so last week, last Saturday, I went to a viewing, I think it was the second, I think it's the second viewing that they've done, um, of one shot inch and down. And it was, I've really enjoyed it. It was, it, it, the experience as a whole day because it was something that Hamish Gill of 35MMC had organised. And you a, might need to explain to folks what it is you're talking about. Ah, thirty. What the thirty-five MMC? Because it's too small. Um, <laughs> um, thirty-five MMC is a uh, blog site page, uh, reference page, that kind of thing. Uh, that's run by a chap called Hamish Gill, and it was initially started off as a resource for compact cameras, but it's exploded since then. So they pretty much will cover just about anything. Although they don't do that much in the way of large format. They do touch on a bit of medium format, but it's, it's more, more for the smaller formats, but you know, he's interested in the, in the uh, improper photography like us as well. Um, and he'd uh, listened to um, the, these two chaps known as the danger boys. Uh, I think Sunday 16 are given them that name. That's a Sunday 16 podcast. And, um, and they are David Allen and Simon Riddell, um, who've done some, uh, pretty, um, uh, got themselves into some difficult places to take photographs with large format is perhaps one way of introducing them if you like. And they had, I'm just thinking about, you know, it's almost like how much to go into the story really, but the, what actually happened, they were given an opportunity to take a photograph in a ex World War II um, heavy fuel oil uh, tank, and there's I think there's four of these things, and they're like 300 meters long, um, so that's even longer in, in yards, 
uh, and uh, yeah, very wide and um, and very tall. I mean, the place holds the world record for the longest echo. Um, I think they used a starting pistol, and I think it lasted for two minutes. So uh, um, while they were down there, they, they, there was well, I'm not sure if it's while they were actually down there, but they some local singers might go down there as well, and they can you. Can, the, the echo takes so long you, you can harmonize or they can if you can sing anyway i can't but uh, the uh, one particular singer was was harmonizing with their own voice through the echoes it's just an incredible place but it's obviously very dark uh, very damp cold and uh, the the sides and the walls are pretty much oozing oil back out of them as uh, they're, they're ever so slightly porous and so the idea was to take this photograph uh, just one photograph using an intrepid camera, four by five, and which was effectively light painted. So it was at one end of the of the tank, uh, and then David would then walk down the tank with a flash gun and just illuminating parts of the tunnel. And they produced an image from that, and it was lovely. Um, they shot it on HP five. I think they pushed it to sixteen hundred. I think, um, and then that was almost the easy bit because they also wanted to to print in the tunnel and that was incredibly difficult because they they also wanted to make a very large picture as well and they i think they printed i think it was like one meter by 1.2 meters um, and they used the same camera as an enlarger because uh, they had the first production uh intrepid enlarger attachment that goes onto the back of it i think you pop out the ground glass and then project the um, the negative through the taking lens onto uh, a sheet of uh, photographic paper and from that they then um, developed that using swimming tank uh, swimming pool tanks uh, not pools but uh, inflatable inflatable um, what do you call them um, inflatable pools birthing tanks <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that actually that would have been really appropriate wouldn't it you kind of giving birth to this thing that's what they should have used they've missed a trick there tell them that from me okay well they did well they they use something like birthing tags um <laughs> and uh paddling pool kiddies paddling pool probably you mean don't you that's it paddling pools that's that's right um mm. and that was that was an interesting process how they did that because they had problems with that because they didn't have they forgot or lost their stop bath and they had to improvise um so uh, if you want to know how they improvise you can watch uh the uh the well, film that they made couldn't they uh, just use water well if you if they had enough water then yes but they only had what they could carry in with them so for for instance uh, they printed on fiber paper and you're thinking well and no water no they used hyperclear hyper a whole paddling pool of hyperclear to to wash the fiber paper print mm -hmm. so um so yeah they they improvised with this with the stop bath um which was funny um and uh, they their first print didn't work out quite as well as they wanted to, and they're getting to the point of doing this, doing this, doing it the second time round. Because I think they've been underground for like twenty four hours or possibly longer at this point, and they were shattered. You know, they were. It was cold. Simon has uh, type one diabetes, so his, his circulation is not great, and they should have had a cameraman with them filming them, and the cameraman was was ill, so they were just doing this kind of stuff themselves. So that made life even harder for them so that would that would slow them down um 
and uh, so we watched this film and it's a feature length film that they made uh, it's the first time they've ever actually put anything like this together um, and it's it's well worth watching it's uh, you know it's it's probably fair to say it's 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 slightly rough around around the edges a little bit but they've never done anything like this before so you know be aware of that but don't don't let that take anything away from what they've done because it's it was a a, a great achievement and it's uh, to to see what they actually produced after after that time and how they did it it was just 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 great to see and you can we'll put some links in the in the notes in fact there's also in our facebook group uh, david has, has dropped in a uh, post only today uh, with a link about how you can watch that uh, that film was so it's available for streaming and it's 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 not much as well it's a, it's a, it's a small cost um, and that's there to help them get back the, the 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 cost that they've had to put into making it which i think it took them a week on um, down there to actually set the shot up so it was um quite an activity and it was just a it was a really good uh, day with the photo walk and then followed by uh, that showing at Hamish Gill's uh, co-working space in Worcester, uh, which is called the Kiln. Hmm. Yeah, I saw lots of excited people tweeting about it and uh, saw some photographs on Twitter from folks that I follow. All look very good. I um, So I had two observations, really. One you've already answered about where does one go to see the film. The other was... Uh, I. I the, I don't use artificial lighting much. I'm very intrigued by it, and I kind of understand how to do it, but it all seems such a big faff for me, really. Um, so I shy away from it, like I think a lot of photographers do. So the idea of actually doing light painting in the dark, in a, you know, just blows me away, really. I mean, did they did they have any sense of were they just sort of making up as they went along or did they do some tests to say well i need to set the flash to this power and do the, this amount of exposures on this bit of wall i mean how did the how, well, well, without watching the film how did the technical stuff get overcome i'm, I'm not so sure if you'd actually get the get the information from from the documentary but that after after the the screening uh, there was a uh, Q&A session with, with, with David and mm. by the way there's a whole lot more on this subject if you go to uh, if you listen to this week's Sunday 16 podcast um, there's uh, Graham and Aid from the uh, from the Sunday 16 podcast were there as well and and Graham had his microphone out as well so he was interviewing lots of people he tried to interview me but I ran off um, but <laughs> one of the questions that was asked was actually several questions as you might imagine were asked such as why um, <laughs> that mm. kind of stuff um, but yeah there, there was a question about uh, how they worked out the lighting and, and, and David very very quickly covered that subject so quickly and so almost nonchalantly oh that was easy that was the easiest bit because of this this and this uh, mm. you just left just left the room just like in stunned silence um, okay. and i was sitting near john whitmore of the of the dark shed um and he goes so how did he do that <laughs> and, we're like, and uh yeah we, we we i was i was i was with fraser yule as well and uh we're sort of looking at each other goes well he, he, he made it sound like it was easy and then and then um and then I, I I came out with something to make me sound clever by saying, "Oh, it's got something to do with the inverse square law." Um, not understanding this, of course, um, but that that pretty much killed the conversation of that. You didn't mention Scheinflug in the same breath, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. Mm. We'll ask Kate about Scheinflug in a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be easy now because there's a. If you've watched the thread on the Facebook group, there's going to be a, a hang or a t-shirt or a hang round your neck 
uh, idiot card on how to use the beer mat for the shine fluke principle. Right. If I only knew what a beer mat was exactly. A it's, coaster. It's mysterious. Yeah. Like a paper <laughs> one? Well, no, they're mainly they're made of sort of thin card normally, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Absorbent, so they can absorb the beer when you spill it. That's the idea. <laughs> but Wayne, Wayne Setzer uh, mm. has, has, has produced a proof of concept uh, set mm. of beer mats, although actually there is... Uh, there is a problem with it. I, I haven't really mentioned it on the on the thread, uh, but I'm sure Wayne will probably get to this podcast at some point. Um, and I'd say that beer mats are meant to be square, and it's currently rectangular, mainly because there's there's a lot of information on there about how, you know, what the shine flu principle is and how to do it. Um, and clearly, he wasn't able to put that into a square space. So, uh, well, I'm sure I've seen beer mats that aren't square, but we'll just leave that one hanging there. Yeah, yeah. But no, they they were good, um, and actually that that just brings me to my last other thing that I wanted to say was uh, that conversation or that uh, that piece of artwork by Wayne that came about as a result of uh, an activity that um, there were some photographs taken at well actually this week's uh, Six Towns Darkroom Club um, that I mentioned every mm. week. Um, and we had uh, Paul Bullock there uh, with us this, this week, and we were doing a still life exercise. We didn't do any printing at all this week or any development. We just wanted to take some photographs. And Paul brought his uh, chroma camera with him. Uh, I was using my Sinar, and we just were doing some still life shots. And uh, and Paul also wanted to do it, get a selfie as well. And uh, but there was one point where we were trying to take a photograph of my my new speed graphic, um, and we we were wondering about putting a little bit of swing on on the shot and i was going to turn the 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 front stand in one direction and uh, robert price who was with us he was he was agreeing with me but paul comes along and says i've been on the course for this and mm. it's like and you do it like that and there's a photograph of me explaining shine fluke and uh, and you're in the background ignoring him completely yeah, i've seen this yeah <laughs> there was someone looking at there was someone he was talking to looking a bit dazed and confused that was robert and then you were just had your back to them all <laughs> yeah so uh, i thought you're there to learn not to ignore learned guests exactly well there you go what, what can you say so so on 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 that note um, we have a, a world-renowned expert with us don't we kate on the <laughs> Shine 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 and yeah. uh, you can tell us all about it as long as I don't have to say it or explain it. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Well, I think that's a, that's a good time to head over to Minnesota. And uh, so what, what, have, what have you been up to? Well, I, I shoot pretty much every day. Um, not always large format, but usually right now. Uh, so this week I braved the cold and took my camera out in the backyard and did some photos of my son out there. And... It's really, I find it's really unpleasant outside to try to shoot, <laughs> try to shoot large format because, I, you know, it takes so long to set up a shot. And by the time you get it set up, you can't really even feel the knobs of the camera with your hand. <laughs> and so, but it works. And I know that braver people do shoot outside and yeah, it's a long winter here. Is this the one, so there's one on your Instagram feed of your lad standing surrounded by snow looking straight at you um with, with a big coat on is that is that it yes probably <laughs> taking with your zone <laughs> six four by five yes it is yeah and for yep. good old and foam, I, foma pan 100 very nice yes the i love foma pan 100 actually it's like i know how to shoot that comfortably and yeah. 
it's you know it's my go-to film and there's a lot to be a lot to be said for that isn't there just knowing that material inside out it's so true i'm trying some uh some 400 for inside and i'm still trying to figure out how i want to rate it to shoot it well i'd I, I don't Simon might know I was talking to um oh Stephen Dowling it was Stephen Dowling wasn't it Cosmo Photo Man mm-hmm. that's it right. is Stephen Dowling isn't it yeah. yeah and he you you familiar with um Cosmo Photo and their Fomapan packaging in fantastic really cool Cosmonaut packaging no no oh, I don't think so this sounds exciting. well Steve Stephen Dowling is the man behind Cosmo Photo, and that that is Fomapan One Hundred. You know, he talks really openly about it, but he's he's gone beyond just repackaging. He, he's created like a whole art movement almost behind this brand. And he, I've just bought three rolls of film from him, and they came with uh, ten sort of nineteen fifties inspired Soviet Union you know, um, bits of artwork on stickers, awesome oh, stuff. And, 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 and I was talking to him about 400 Fomapan and he, he said, um, he said, well, I'm a bit ambivalent about it because, yeah. um, unlike HP five and tri X and, um, uh, burger or Berger, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you can push those quite successfully. Whereas Fomapan just falls apart. If you try and rate it at anything much above 400, well, I, I mean, I wasn't in a position to, argue with him or not i have no idea because i I haven't used it Uh, i know some folks in the facebook group use it but i've not seen it used much for large format whereas foma pan 100 yeah quite quite a lot yeah the only one i've tried i tried pushing foma pan 100 um just once because i made a mistake when i was metering and realized Mm -hmm. it too late but i hadn't developed yet so i decided to do it it worked okay. I mean, I, there was some loss of quality for sure, especially in the shadows. Yeah. Um, but the 400, I, I find I can't rate it at 400, inside at least. Um, I haven't really shot it outside. But I tried rating it at 200, and I'm still shadows are still a little bit dark. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still experimenting with it. But yeah. I like when, when I get it, it, it does seem to... I mean, it does seem to do okay with scanning. If you increase exposure, you know, it, it handles that all right. It has some latitude, but the, the Foma Pan though isn't that branded under in the states? Isn't that available as various other rebrands as well? There's... Yeah, I think it is. I think it's like Arista. Arista, yeah. Someone said that was, that right. was the brand I was trying to think of, and that was oh sure, be. yeah. We can just buy it as Foma Pan too, okay. which is what I have done. Mm-hmm. And is it as cheap, cheap as it is in Europe? I mean, I, I think probably it's yeah. the cheapest choice. Yeah. And I just I shoot so much that I have realized that I need to think about that. <laughs> so, well, yeah, so I was doing that outside, the 100 outside. And then I did some 400 inside this week with um, – I took some pictures of my two-year-old niece. And I didn't expect oh, yeah. her to hold still for them. But – yeah, she did, and it's it's amazing. It's like if you explain what you're doing, even to a two year old, it's such a it's such a different experience for them to sit in front of a large format camera that they're interested, and they'll sort of hold still as you're saying, okay, now I'm you know putting in the film holder, and <laughs> that that's a beautiful shot. I can see that it's, it's folks listening. You can see what Kate's 
talking about either now or a bit later on is quite fairly early on in the stream near the near the picture of her son in the snow and she's just gazing out the shot through the with some lace curtains and she's it's just done beautifully so if, if that's foma pan 400 it is yeah wow yeah um, and, and you really in that sort of situation you really wouldn't worry too much about losing details in the shadow because there's quite a range of tones from coming in the window there and the, and you've caught the detail in that sort of lace curtain really well and her face is just perfect and the fact that shadows disappear is neither here nor there in a picture right. like that but the thing with me when i've tried to do i haven't done many portraits with large format but boy people seem to really have to stay still i think maybe i was trying to shoot too wide open because um even if you stop down to something like uh f8 or even f16 on a large format camera you're 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 still getting a you know you're, you're that's not really far far what am i trying to say i'm trying to say that when i was trying to do some portraits and trying to be rt i think i <laughs> probably had the lens wide open and the depth of field disappeared to almost nothing so they didn't really need to move very far at all to lose, lose it. sharpness yeah i shoot wide open pretty often or oh. i mean <laughs> wide open on my lens is f3.5 so i i shoot it f 4.5 a lot because- oh so I'm, I'm even more impressed now that you managed <laughs> to get that so uh, so sharp well it's yeah. I, sometimes you can use the movements to help i found like if you can sort of anticipate that they might move i mean you, you get a little bit of if you if you have a little bit of a swing on it if they move within that range it it's pretty in focus and I've also relaxed what I, what I consider to be a sharp photo, <laughs> like digitally, you know, you, you think like you, you zoom in on the eye and you're like, okay, is the, mm. are the eyelashes in focus? And then also is the pupil in focus? And with, with large format, I'm just like, well, I can see the eyelashes. So yeah, it counts. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Nice, nice approach. I think I think there's something to be said there anyway with with film in general in terms of sharpness. I mean that that's something I've I've noticed doing a doing a few um, close up shots and uh, with with you know tiny depth of field where there's only like one eye in focus and that would really jump out at you in with with digital. Um, whereas with film with the with the grain and how the how it goes from sharp to slightly out of focus it it it, it doesn't jar in the same way it's, it's still sharp enough whereas it it's it's just it can look wrong on on digital so hmm. yeah, i think that's that's my take on that well i have no experience so i don't know i'll take your word for it simon <laughs> this picture of your niece is i just yeah. are you will i don't really want to dwell on technicalities but you mentioned okay. something about swing did you so did you if she's kind of angled, are you moving the lens to go sort of in line with the way she's angled at the camera, or are you just shooting straight, you know, square on with in a sort of traditional sense, or are you using swing on the on the lens? So this had some. I'm looking at it now too. Um, this had a little tilt, um, so you can see like her shirt. She had like a a pattern on her shirt, and I, yeah, I hate it when they wear like something with like this isn't too bad because it doesn't have words you know if they have words on their shirt i ask them to turn their shirt around (laughs) (laughs) and my kids will do that (laughs) because they're used to it (laughs) but um but yeah i didn't want her shirt to to 
draw the eye too much. So yeah. I wanted that a little bit out of focus. So it's got a little tilt for that. And then I think I might have, I, I can't remember. Yeah, it does look like I added a little swing because the edge of the lace um, is in focus. So I think I was thinking, I I don't remember exactly how much I added. And I certainly don't know in degrees. <laughs> it's just sort of like, oh. Well, I'm amazed that you managed to fiddle around with all those, with those movements and she still didn't move. No, she you didn't. Know? I'm, I usually try to get the shot set up before I bring the kid in. Um, uh. And then, so I get like a, a basic idea of what I'm doing and even pre-focus a little bit and then have them come sit and then okay. focus in. There we go. So you you really are a master of the shine fluke principle. We'll, <laughs> we'll, get you, we'll get you a beer mat sent over. Right. I don't know if I'm a master, but I, I use it an awful lot for something I can't pronounce. <laughs> Excellent. What do you reckon, Simon? Well, I just <laughs> I can just sit here all day looking at, at Kate's photos, which I've, I've more or less said earlier on actually in our in our pre chat, and that's it is a beautiful shot, as are all of uh, of Kate's photos. But um, but I think before we we we're going to have a bit more of a deep delve into that. Let's mm. let's let's finish off where where Kate was with uh, what she's been up to. Um, mm-hmm. she, um, she's I think she's done more than just take a photograph of uh, of us somewhere. <laughs> Right. Um, well, let's see. I, I was trying to take advantage of, we have our Christmas tree up and, you know, you get, you get certain photo opportunities this time of year that aren't available at other times, which is nice because the light's getting darker and it, so it's good to, to have some positives for December <laughs> photographically. Um, but I, so I did a double exposure with the Christmas tree lights with my son Um where I just really underexposed a shot of the Christmas tree, leaving the lights kind of out of focus. Um, and then then reshot that film with a, just a regular picture of my son looking out a window. And it's actually my second attempt at that because those, I, I'm, I haven't done that many double exposures with large format and metering it is a little tricky, at least for me. Um, so I was, this time I managed it okay which is good <laughs> but it's always i love experimenting that's that's the best so gotta, gotta, gotta say having difficulty with large format um double exposures is something that and, andrew and i have got a great deal of experience with <laughs> i remember that double exposure challenge right yeah we we yeah. failed miserably uh on that <laughs> well and i didn't ev- well <laughs> i don't know my what part of my shot was almost okay When you start talking about Christmas tree, I, I, I've, yeah. I've now gone to the one you were talking about. But I was looking at the one with your uh, your son with his head hands behind his head, and and you you've got yourself. I think it must be you in the mirror behind, oh, yeah. And then the tree, and you've clearly employed some uh, jiggery pokery witchcraft camera movements with that, right. haven't you? Because you've done weird things to the Christmas tree, right. Right. Like I, I kind of push that to the edge of the image circle of the lens. So yep. it's distorted a little bit. And then That's great. So I think I had a rear swing on that because I wanted him to become more prominent in the image. I'm trying to remember what I did. I can't remember, but yeah. So I think around. one of our learned people like Greg or Wayne will pick us up on this, but I'm sure the the rear movements starts much more to play around with, apparent perspective doesn't it so yes. you can make things in the foreground appear more dominant 
Exactly. I, um, we talked about this a little bit with, if you go and listen to the show with Ben Horn when he was photographing out in in um, the what the in somewhere Death, Death Valley. Death Valley. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Well done, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent so, stuff. I was going to say so 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 Kate. Um, yeah. I think it's about time uh, we introduce you properly, or we've heard a little bit more about you, and uh, as to um, your photographic life and stuff. I just want to say I've I, I can't remember exactly how how I came across you to be honest, um, but I found you on uh, Instagram uh, a good while back, mm. and I've been a yeah. fan of your work ever since. And there's a there's a you know, there is a, a very much a style. Uh, to your photography it's very evocative it's very emotional and um and it's very personal and uh, mm. I, I just i just think your work is, is is beautiful um but i'd just like like to hear f uh, from yourself then a little bit more about you know how you got to this point um so perhaps how you got into photography in general and and how you ended up taking these beautiful large format and other formats uh photos um sure i so kind of like everybody, my dad had a Nikon SLR when I was growing up and um, he took some great photos of our family. And I that sort of stuck in my mind as something I wanted to do someday. Um, but I didn't really start doing it till about five years ago. Um, and then I got into digital and I got really into it. Like um, I would take, you know, 300 shots a day, every day, um, and burned out the shutter on my D750. I think it's on its fourth shutter now. <laughs> so, um, but I, so I was just really, really, really into that. And then eventually I, I knew I liked the look of large format and I wanted to go that direction. Um, but there's a big jump from taking, you know, 300 digital photos a day to, sheet film. <laughs> so I, uh, so I went to, to film, to medium format film and, um, shot a Mamiya C330 for a while. Um, and then I have a Pentax 67 now and I, and I shot those and really struggled like with focus and, you know, exposure and all of it. Um, but just kept, kept really working on it. And, um, then I learned to develop and I, I just do, you know, I don't have a dark room. I've taken over the half bath in my house and have stuff everywhere in there. Um, but yeah, so I started developing and then once I had those skills, I, I finally like let myself make the jump to large format, which I was then really scared to try <laughs> because it seems like it would be hard. Um, and it certainly is, it isn't what anybody would call easy, but it's more complicated than difficult, I think. And I just loved it. I loved it. And, it, and, and it's for me almost the most natural way to shoot. Um, and I found, you know, shooting, four sheets or six sheets a day at most, as opposed to 300 digital photos, I found I cared so much more for each photo. Um, so, yeah. So even, Kate, even four, what strikes me is even four or five images a day is really impressive. 
maybe it seems like not very many after 300. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the fact that you're managing to use large format in it almost like an Instagram way. Right. <laughs> Which, you, I mean, your Instagram feed, is, it's not always large format. Are some, are some of the pictures on there digital? or are they, Certainly a lot of them seem to be film. Yeah, most of them. Well, so it's over the last few months, it's been transitioning to mostly film. I occasionally will get out the digital, but it doesn't really call to me like it used to, um, which is which is strange for something that like I carried everywhere, you know, was always in my purse and always with me. But um yeah, I it's mostly mostly four by five on my Instagram. Sometimes I use the Pentax six seven also, so some one twenty on there. And we can't really go much further w- without talking about your um, your your son. Um, yeah. Clearly, he's very happy to be part of this project. Um, but you know, it, it, to me, it sort of begs all sorts of really interesting questions. I, I'm immediately. I suppose I'm not the only one to be drawn to uh, comparisons with the work of Sally Mann as she distributes, as she uh, uh, photographs her kids. Now, your, yours are very different to Sally, but um, you know, if you read her book, we've talked about this before. Yeah. She, she, um, she was doing this way before the Instagram generation, um, and g- came under a lot of grief, really. You know, about yeah. sharing pictures of her kids online. Um, so. Do you maybe want to talk talk about that and how you came to develop this project or start this project with your your son and and and, and the reasons for it? Sure. Yeah. Well, so Sally Mann is my favorite photographer. Um, <laughs> so for you to say that is <laughs> it's very nice. Um, no, I, I I guess so. My kids are really used to being photographed at this point. Um, and I think they just, it's just sort of something that we do. And, and for my older son, Ian, um, he's on the autism spectrum. He's got high functioning autism. And when I was using digital, I started, I started this project where we worked together to make photos about the experience of um, that parent child bond as it's affected by autism. It's a little bit different to, I mean, to connect with somebody on the spectrum is, is, is hard, or at least I can speak to my own experience because everybody on the spectrum is different. But um, there's sort of always this, like a, like a barrier, but it's invisible. And, it's, and it varies by the day how thick that barrier is. Sometimes if my son is having a really rough day, it's really hard to connect with him. Like he can, you know, he'll talk to me, but what he'll talk to me about is, you know, whatever he's into at that time or something that's just sort of stream of consciousness and we'll, you know, we go through our day, but it's it's not with that emotional connection that is possible sometimes. Um, and then other days he can be very accessible and, and you know, really empathetic and, and really, really right there. So I started to explore that concept with my photos using different things as a barrier between us, you know, thicker mm. things, thinner things. And we did some with ice. Mm. Um, we did some with, you know, 
wire and different, you know, fabrics and all those kinds of things. Um, and that, that was sort of the beginning of the project. And then it's just from there, um, I've tried to explore like different, different ways that autism impacts his life or impacts the way that we connect with each other. So, you know, sensory things like the world being really loud, um, Mm. or processing emotions. It's, you know, there are days where things are just overwhelming and, and I try to try to get that on these days on film. Um, but it's, it's been great. And for him, I think, I mean, I, in talking to him about it and, and just sort of the impression I get is that, you know, me photographing those things, his experience is a way to connect and show that I'm trying to understand that and that I, and that I think it's worth sharing. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's, it's sort of evolving. We have a book out, but the book is mostly digital. Um, there's a little bit of film in there and then, I'm still continuing the project now in large format. So you, are you, uh, how, how deep are your conversations with your son? I mean, it sounds like they're pretty deep. I mean, are you, you're sort of very eloquently communicating to us and talking about how it's helping you, helping you and him probably mm-hmm. pr- ex- explore this bond between parent and child with, with, with somebody on the autistic spectrum. But at what, at what point, did you sort of sit down and have a conversation with him and saying, I'd really like to, you know, to, to start making pictures of you. And, and, and did you, did you sort of um, talk, explain your reasons to him in the way that you've just done to us? I mean, how how did that sort of evolve from the early days? How how did those conversations go? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. We started out, I started out doing a 365 project, which oh, yeah. then mm-hmm. I just have never stopped. Um, so I was already photographing him every day. Right. So he used or, to, yeah. yeah. So he just, it just became, it sort of evolved naturally from that. Um, but then for our book, we already have these great conversations, my son and I, and both my sons. Um, but for my book, I, I did, this thing where I would use a voice recorder and just record the conversation that we were having. So I would ask him questions about what it's like, you know, to have on days and off days or to be overwhelmed by things someplace or, you know, um, he, and he's really, you have to wait, like you have to, you ask a question and then you just sit there and just wait and it's silent and the silence can be uncomfortable even because it just stretches on. But eventually then he comes out with, with his perspective, which is really fascinating. And then I can try to capture that with my photos. So it becomes kind of a dialogue. Unlike the silences on this podcast when Simon has to edit them. (laughs) I think there are quite a few uh, comfortable silences going on here at the moment. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite quite fascinating to listen. Yeah, the, um, the there's one image that I really love. That I've just as you've been talking, I was uh, I was flicking through, and it's the, the, the one on a, on one of Jason Lane's dry plates. Funnily enough, which is uh, uh, what you call the creepy prints. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that effect with the eyes, isn't oh, it? With the dry plate. It's the, 
my <laughs> other son, um, who does not have autism, it's though he, he it, has ADHD. So we're we're working on some for that too. Oh, but yeah, wow. the, the Prince one is yeah that was his birthday. <laughs> so you've got one lad with a degree, you know, I mean, I, I yeah. forgive me, I don't know, I, I'm treading oh, carefully because no I don't fully know the, the terms, but I know, you know, yeah. like most people, I think people's experience of autism, we we think back to that film that was in the, you know. Um, right, Rain um, Man. Rain Man, yes. Yeah. And uh, I I think the awareness of it is, is you know, my, my wife was supporting some autistic kids at school yeah. and my daughter looks after a, an autistic lad who's got some physical handicaps as well and she yeah. she talks about him and I'm sure she'll really love listening to this because I know she, because she spends every day with him now, pretty much mm-hmm. every day with him. She's picking up on all sorts of uh, sometimes non-verbal cues, you know, yeah. and he'll say things, um, and and she knows when he's upset, you know, because there right. are just certain ways he'll start to behave or he'll start to, you know, position his body, and and you know that must, and I can't imagine what it's like for you. I mean, you you know, goodness me, you you love these kids, but you you've got. And I think for you to have this this outlet of photography to be able to record and develop your emotions and feelings, and for him to well, for both of them, I guess is it for both of them now? Are you is the project encompassing both? Well, it's Boys? I don't know that my my younger son is really part of the autism project, but he is certainly part of the photo thing. Yeah. I mean, I I photograph him just as much as my older son. Um, but yeah, I, autism is interesting because, I mean, people, you know, everybody talks about it as a spectrum and it is. Um, and each person is is unique in the way that mm. it, they're affected by it. And so I think part of what I try to do with my work is show that there is, um, that sort of to dispel some of the myths that, that people have. Like, yeah. um, you know, people sometimes think that, somebody on the autism spectrum doesn't really experience empathy. And that's, that's absolutely not true. Like, at least in the case of my son. Um, And so I try to try to capture that in photos too. It's, there's just lots of material to explore. It's, it's really interesting. And then what you were saying about, um, about that experience of using it as, as a, a, therapeutic sort of um, as an anti-anxiety <laughs> um, tool. I do that a lot. Um, I really like, it's hard. And certainly at this point, I've, I've kind of come to terms with the whole thing. But when he was younger, and even now, sometimes, you know, you get caught in this trap of thinking, okay, this is how he's handling the situation right now. How is he going to handle it? you know, in five years or 10 years, is he going to be able to be functioning? And as a parent, that's just a really scary place to be because you, you don't, you, you want the best and you want to be able to control it and protect your kid and, and you do everything you can, but there isn't a way to, to solve all the potential challenges or to smooth the, the path enough and so the photography is is wonderful for that because when you're shooting and especially shooting large format you're not thinking anything else <laughs> you're thinking mm-hmm. like the light 
the focus, the movement of this, um, you know, what do I want? What do I want in focus here? And, and which way is the light coming from? And, and it's just everything else in your mind goes quiet and you get this, you get this time to just connect with this person that you're photographing and to sort of silence all of that chatter, that anxious chatter. When you're exploring different aspects of the autism, you know, whether it's empathy Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, their reaction to loud noises, are are you, are you having that conversation with, with him? Sorry, what's your son's name? Uh, Ian, as Ian, sorry, yeah, you did say, yeah. yeah um, no, so when you are you speaking to Ian, saying, well, you know, d- d- do you use it as a as a way of exploring those, you know, those issues with autism, you know, like loud noises? I was in a, yeah. I, I came across a really enlightened public toilet recently, and there yeah. was signs, you know, the ha- the hand dryers, and they make yes, a horrible like, noise, oh and there God. was. And there were signs up about autism, and just saying, I forget exactly, but it, they were they were referencing autism and and the noises, and they weren't exactly warnings, but they were there was some level of awareness anyway. But oh, that's you know, wonderful! Yeah, I, I'd never seen that before. But yeah. uh, so are you having those sort of conversations and saying, well, you know, how, I, I don't know, I've no idea. I, I could imagine the conversation going something like, well. Ian, do you, you know how um, those noises, you know, really s- upset you? Can we, ex- how can, do, would you say to him, can we explore that somehow? Have you got any ideas? Do you, do you in, sort of involve in the, in the creative side and how does he do? Um, he is not that interested in it. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> so he, like, for him, I mean, so we, he and I have these conversations <laughs> and I think about these are the things that we could explore in a photo yeah. and I, I conceptualize the picture or it's just what we're doing, you know, and it, but it works with a theme. Um, and we've certainly had many, many of those conversations and it affects our daily life, you know, yeah, he, sure. for the longest time would not even go into a public restroom because of the hand dryers. <laughs> yeah. Well, even because, um, I mean, I find them distressing often because oh, yeah. they make a horrible noise, you know? They're so loud. And, you know, for somebody with autism, it's like, I mean, for us, you know, you go someplace like a theme park, like here, Disney World, or I'm sure you guys have stuff. And, and it's just overwhelming. You get home at the end of the day and you're exhausted. But I think that for them, every day is like that. It's like just all of this sensory input and it's just too much. Mm-hmm. So exploring that, but also that, that that opens up this other perspective of like the times when it's silent for us or when there isn't anything going on, there there are things happening for them. Like my son hears, you know, if – um, like we have, if, if the snow is melting off our roof and dripping onto my husband's gas grill outside and it makes a certain, he hears a note, like a musical note when it, when the water hits the metal, um, or he does that with like a rubber band, he'll just like stretch it to different, you know, tensions and, and listen to it. Mm. And th- so there's this sort of this other world that maybe we don't see. It's like for us. You know, for photographers, I remember it's time before I was taking pictures and I I just went around, you know, seeing things and it wasn't, but nothing was especially remarkable. And then you learn to see light 
and everything becomes remarkable because of the way the light is hitting it. And I think for him, you know, it's like that for sound. So while the hand dryer is just a horrible noise and just shuts out everything else in his life, he does experience this other reality of like the sound of, you know, waves hitting a shore or, you know, wind and trees in a way that maybe we don't. Um, so I try to, I try to explore that too, but mostly what he talks to me about while we're shooting isn't necessarily his perspective, but whatever he wants, it's like a chance for him to talk about something that he knows I really am not that interested in. Like, you know, he knows like 750 some names of dinosaurs. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, (laughs) so he talks to me about those and (laughs) it's, it's interesting. And you, you, you sometimes make images of, of yourself and they're, they're clearly part of the story. I, I was, I was looking at some to see how you fit into this um, yeah. because you, you don't have so many, but there's mm-hmm. one there from a while ago uh, in the summer, I think called intensity, um, which is red. One of the things, uh, oh, yeah, no, that's not the Ian show. and I share. I didn't know. I stumbled over the name then cause it's spelled with an E. Is that right? E-I- it is. A- yes. Ooh, yep. And I share is our intensity. It's a mix of anxiety and obsession. Yeah. And it's joyful and exhilarating. So what's that? Uh, what's that? Is that is that the color or is it just anything that's in? Is it? Are you are you an intense person as well? Yeah. Is yeah. I am. I mean, I think so. You know, autism they talk about this idea of a broader autism phenotype. Um, but people who have, who have kids with autism frequently have some of the traits themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the more everybody learns about autism, the more we realize that we all have some of the traits. Yeah. Um, but for me, I get these just intense obsessions. And for me, that's photography. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, 80% of what I think about <laughs> when I'm not thinking about the things I have to think about. Um, and my son is like that right now with dinosaurs. You know, it changes based on what he's into at the time. But You see, I always think that as a male thing because in my experience, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 the, the longest obsession I've had has been photography. And, yeah. and I'm, I, I don't know, I could probably – up the ante on the on the time that you said you think about it because it's it's constantly with me yeah. you know yeah constantly with me and and I'm kind of obsessed by it. yeah and you know you you talk and I, and I I have heard of people say well you know a lot of men find themselves if they think about it they analyze themselves they're probably on on that right. somewhere on that spectrum but I didn't know whether that was just a glib thing or, or whether <laughs> there's any um whether there's any sense to it really it's probably somewhere in between you know I mean yeah. I think. I think the more that people understand about autism and about that perspective, the more we realize that we're not really all that different. It's no. just sort of a more extreme version of something that we all experience. Yeah. Um, and for photography, yeah, I don't know if that's a, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that many women large format photographers and if they I mean I think to shoot large format you have to really want it and you have to really be into it and probably there's a subset (laughs) of us who that's really you know that's 
just really 80% of what we think about or more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and, and I think um, you, you've clearly used, as you've, as you've got more and more into photography and as you, to use your own words, you've started to observe light. And, and, and I think the word observe, you know, and, and that's given you, there must be such a help in your relationship with Ian, you know, that you're, the fact that you can just take time, observe, and it must be a real kind of calming influence, you know, yeah. on, for the both of you, really. It is, you know, it's, it's something for me to think about that is something I enjoy. Yeah. And that is, I think, really important when you could also spend or I mean, I do spend too much time worrying mm. about, you know, how to try to fix things for him. And, yeah. you know, and I, and a lot of the time that's been productive. And I've been working with him since he was 12 months old. And, you know, I really have had a lot of there, there's been a lot of good in obsessing over how to help him. But yeah. For me, mentally, I think it's it's hard, and so the the photography is really good. I actually have a a group of um, women photographers with kids with special needs um, that we're working on a group project on Instagram, and they're from around the world um, doing self portraits of you know just just to take a little time every month or more frequently depending, and just do a photograph of of, of ourselves, um, you know, to show that perspective, because I think that easily gets lost, you know, when you have, when you have children and you're a woman, it's like, even if you think about like, even the photographs of, you know, you might have these, these maternity photos of, of a pregnant mom, but then when the baby's born, all the photos are of the baby and they're, they're stopped mm. taking photos of this mm. experience of motherhood. Mm. So I think, you know, self-portraiture in that respect is is really important to say, you know, this perspective is still here. I noticed someone who's uh, another lady whose work I admire greatly is Anne Silver. And yes, she, she comments, she likes and comments a lot on your work, but she's she uses a self-portrait medium a lot. And, uh, um, you know, folks out there that aren't familiar with Anne Silver's work, I think at the moment she's working or she had been doing cyanotypes Mm-hmm. Um, really getting into that process. As well. Some really beautiful cyanotypes and a lot of beautiful large format work too. Ah, there's a guest for you, um, Simon. <laughs> Are you familiar with Anne Silver's work? I'm, I'm, I'm not, but I think I need, I need to be. So. I think I, first, I think she did some. Po- did I first start chatting to her with a, when with, with Polaroid stuff? I think maybe she's done that as well. I'm sure she has. Yes. Yeah, um, I wasn't. Was I aware she was doing large form? I may have been. I don't know. Certainly cyanotypes. I probably was. What's that group? Is that the uh, the little uh, the the Instagram group you're part of, Kate? Is um, that is that one we can put in the show notes later? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm the only person shooting large format in it, but um, okay. at least so far, <laughs> um, it's called my own mask first. Oh yes, you've got a hashtag, haven't you? Yeah. On there, my own mask mm-hmm. first, cool. and. The, the image there, sorry, Simon, uh, just one more thing, one more image I've just really, really drawn to again. So many like you, Simon, it's just beautiful work. And the f- uh, and uh, and having the opportunity to talk to you, to put some um, 
some interpretation on on the images. The one that you're the one I'm staring at at the moment is is again with you in the background, defocused, uh, but holding the egg timer. And you know, what, I mean, I, I don't capture time. I think you're you, oh, you're yeah. there, but you know, it speaks to me of uh, it kind of sums up everything really. You know, the time you spend with your kids and the time it takes to do the large format work. Time in terms of probably you worrying about the future and what's going to, you know, I mean, I worry about my kids, what's going to come in them, yeah. but you've got another added layer, haven't you, to worry about? Definitely. You know? and, and so you, time is a massive thing here in everything you do. Well, and in, and in photography, you know, it is, it is just an integral part, right? It's like, you know, whatever fraction of a second we have the shutter set to. Yeah. And... I I sort of think of it as this way to send it, it's it's a little bit like time travel, you know, that you <laughs> can send these moments into the future. Yeah. Um, I think of some future me wanting to see these things or, you know, it's such a short time that we have with our kids. Oh, you're making me feel now like I've missed so many opportunities. <laughs> 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 I wish I, I wish I was just ha- maybe I need to go and somehow have some more babies, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's physically possible now. Just so I can start a project. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you, say something, Simon. Yeah, I was just, I was going to say, yeah, uh, yeah. The the irony of that group that you're in, um, my my own mask first first. Yeah. Um, because mm. your your shots um invariably even if they're not of you or of your of your your children or family um there's there's i think in almost every case there's a there's an element of vulnerability yes and <sighs> and it it's it, it, i find that quite quite extraordinary um and i'm just wondering is i mean it's one thing with the with the the, the self portraits because you can visualize and and make yourself how you wish to be seen but so many of the photographs that you, you have, uh, they 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 appear to be candid, but we know that they're not. Right. And and I find that quite extraordinary as well. So I'm I'm just just wondering is is it a conscious effort to to make these shots so intimate, or does it just happen that way? Is that is that just the way that your photography manifests itself? Well, I think. Um for me, the one of the, well, probably the main reason I take photographs or make them is that connection, forming a connection with the viewer or with the subject. It's like I think of it sometimes like a triangle. You know, there's there's me as the photographer, and then there's the the child subject, or sometimes I'm also the subject. Um, or, and then there's the viewer, and I'm conscious of all three of those when I'm taking a picture and, and how to make a connection between the three points. Um, so it's, so I look for ways to do that, you know, whether it's through like a sensory detail that the viewer, when they're looking at this might, you know, think, I know what it's like to, to stand next to a lilac bush, you know, that kind of thing, or I know what that smell is like, um, or, you know, an emotional detail so that they feel empathy when they're looking at it. Um, but I think that, and the vulnerability too, right? I mean, if, if somebody displays vulnerability, that 
is is very real. It's it's it connects us to each other um, when we sort of let down our guard against things. And so essentially, I'm I'm aiming to create that connection all the time. Um, I guess does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it do, it yeah. does, and and that's 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 fascinating for me because um, you you mentioned like the the three three points in the, how you consider your photography I, I i pretty much do two of them but i don't really consider the 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 impact that this photograph may have may have on other people that's that's a, that's mm-hmm. something that's just completely missing in in my process for taking a photograph that's interesting i think it's i don't maybe it comes from comes from our our current environment of, you know, with Instagram, it's like you've got this sudden feedback, instant feedback to what you put up there. And I, I think it's a reminder that, that there is that audience. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly, it, it comes through. There's there's absolutely no two ways about it. There is there is that connection. You know, I can look around these these photographs and you're in some woods or where they'd be in, a, in maybe your home or where, wherever these photographs are taken. And I, I feel I'm there. You know, I feel very, very connected to every photograph, and including, like I say, there's, there's some photographs that don't have people in. You know, there's just yeah. a, a dining table and uh, it's set. It's ready for uh, a meal to be, to be had. And it's just as intimate and just as vulnerable is is the other photographs so i think it's, it's quite extraordinary how you i don't know if it's a matter because i'm looking at a body of work and therefore yeah. i'm in the in that frame of mind or whether sure. i'd look at this differently if it was in isolation but i know that i would like that you know the, the photographs of that type that you've done i would enjoy them for what they are and i would certainly feel that i could walk into that space Oh, thank you. It's much, much harder for me if there's not a person. I, I challenge myself to try to include some without people, <laughs> but it's very hard for me. <laughs> so uh, and, the, I was just going to say, and, and I have just a, a final point there. The, the photographs with Ian, um, mm-hmm. they, again, we, we know that there's a, an element of posing that, that, that goes on in there in, in terms of setting up, but it, you know, they don't look posed. They look very, very right. natural. But is is that, I mean, I'm just wondering if, if Ian lacks a certain self-consciousness that, that makes him just more relaxed in front of a camera. I, I think that's probably true. I mean, they're so used to it. It's been, you know, every day for five years that they've been being photographed. And so they don't, they don't really think anything of it. They put up nothing between themselves and the camera because of that. Um, and that's really hard with other people for me. I mean, I, it's we all sort of instantly put up some kind of guard against you know how we might be perceived. And they don't think like that, which is problematic when they go to have their school photos taken because <laughs> <laughs> they, they're supposed to smile and they don't know how. <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly no Instagram poses or pouts right. or strange yeah. things. Other, he's, uh, he's it's almost like you've gone and employed a professional child model to right. to say, okay, okay, I need a child that's going to give me some nice vulnerable pictures. Have you got one? Well, right. you know, 
<laughs> Boy, you've you've done well. I, I I had a fright a minute ago. I thought you'd been on a trip with Ben Horn or uh, somebody because I just saw a Ben Horn <laughs> photograph pop up in Antelope Canyon with your son at the bottom. <laughs> oh right, yes. No, we went to Antelope Canyon <laughs> last last spring. I've, I've got to say, I find that I've I, I spotted those earlier, and I found it quite hilarious that you're a yeah. large format photographer. You've been to uh, Antel- Antelope Canyon and these these places, and you took and you took snaps instead. I, I love I that. Know. Those are digital. Yeah. I, my family, (laughs) I mean, when you, when you go to pack for a trip and you're getting everything together and, you know, you got the pile of the suitcases and stuff. And then I haul out my wood tripod and my giant backpack and my Mm. husband's just like, you're bringing that. And Mm. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, of course I'm bringing it. (laughs) But, but it's, it doesn't work super well at a family vacation. I have found (laughs) So, you mentioned your husband, and you, you yeah. so you mentioned him there um, in terms of going on a family trip. But how how is he? Uh, what does he get out of this this project? Because there's a clearly there's one just one half of the picture here, isn't there? So there's yeah. Are you spent? Are you at home all day with your kids? Or does he is he out at work? Or how does that right. does he fit? Does he feel left out of this kind of relationship you have? And what's the impact on on him? Yeah, that's a really good question. I uh, so I do. I work at home um, as a writer and editor for you know just part time, and then I'm home okay. with the kids. So I'm really this you know home is is where I spend all my time. Yeah. Um, and he does go out to work. He works from home sometimes, but he mm-hmm. doesn't like to be photographed overly much. <laughs> so <laughs> so he doesn't really appear very often. I mean, sometimes I can talk him into it, and. I mean, he. I took a large format photo of him where I was trying to get this really close shot of his eye, and of course, I ended up, you know, messing up the focus because the depth of field was so shallow at that point. But he said, you know, I can hear you, you breathing excitedly, like. (laughs) 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 So you know, it's so so intense when you're taking a picture. But for him, the, I think he sometimes feels left out. I think it's hard. you know, it's, he doesn't really do these things with us, you know, go places like, cause he's, he's not necessarily into that as much. And, and so he, I think, I think it's, it's interesting. I try to include him when I can, you know, when he's sort of just doing some relaxed thing with the kids and he, he usually at this point, he will tolerate me bringing out a camera for that, but yeah, it's interesting. He's really supportive of like going when I have something in a show or, you know, going to like a, the book release party and stuff like that. He's and he tells people about it. So I can tell he's proud of it. Mm. But, yeah. So he should be. Um, and does he have, I was going to say coping mechanism. It's probably not the right word, but yeah. this is this is a kind of coping mechanism for you, I, right. I think. Good. And yeah. does he have similar coping mechanisms or, or other ones? How does he, how does he manage that relationship? <laughs> you, you've got photography, haven't you? Right. I do. To explore your feelings yeah. and and come to terms with it. Yeah. Well, I he, suppose he's out of the house a little bit more, though, isn't he? As well. He he is, and and when he's home, you know, after the kids are in bed, he does some video gaming. I think that's his, <laughs> I think that's his escape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've been working a little bit on, you've done a little bit of cyanotype work as well, which is just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I would like to get into that a little more. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I mostly do the hybrid workflow. You know, I scan yeah. and I have a, a V550, so I have to scan in two passes, which is a huge pain. But um, but yeah, so for for contact prints, I before the weather turned too nasty here, I I did some outside with a contact printing frame and yep. experimented with that. I'm looking forward to doing more of that too. Yeah, I have a really old, oldie hardwood printing frame, which I love. I don't know where I got it from. Somebody gave it to me years and years ago, and when they gave it to me, I thought, I don't even know what that is, and I kept it and kept it and kept it. And then when I started messing around with some salt print, I thought, ah, now I've got a use for it, and it's been... I dug it out and it's just lovely. I think I had to replace the glass from, I think the glass had got cracked. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's just, there's so many ways to go. Like I, I was telling somebody a while ago that, you know, shooting large format is like, it's like being in love, like falling in love because you have (laughs) like, you think about it all the time. And there are like, (laughs) there are like all these different ways that you can, can grow with it that, you know, printing and, and different, you know, someday maybe moving up to eight by 10. The possibilities are so exciting and endless and and sometimes a bit scary as well. Yes. (laughs) I think, um, our, our joint love story with uh, large format photography. Um, I think we need to bring that to an end for today. Um, it's, it's been, Absolutely fantastic talking to you, uh, Kate, about your your work, your philosophy, you know how how you approach everything. So, uh, just thank you for being a, a, a great guest and having a, a, a fascinating conversation with us. Oh, thanks! I'm so honoured to be on here. Well, Honours all ours, and I'm sure our uh, absolutely our, our listeners will be um, very feel the same way. Um, okay, so. A quick bit of housekeeping, because I've not mentioned it for weeks, um, and that is we have a coffee page at ko-fi.com, whereas if you you want to donate towards the running cost of the show and things like that, then uh, you're more than welcome to do so. And in fact... I've not actually mentioned this, I think, on the last three shows, um, but we've. I just want to say thank you to the last three people that have donated to us. And the first person on this list from 28th mm. of September is somebody called Kate Miller-Wilson. I've never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I just want to, want to say there, yeah, you don't have to donate to the show to, be, to become a guest on the show. Um, but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> so th- th- thank you, Kate. And also uh, James Thorpe also donated to us and uh, back in November, uh, Christopher J. May uh, donated to us and left his little a message. And he goes, yikes, I haven't listened nor contributed to several fortnights for several fortnights. Um, my apologies, gentlemen, a cross-country move, a new job, wedding, all demanded my attention uh, these past few months. Uh, working on catching up on the LFPP now, though. So uh, you're, 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 you're forgiven there, Christopher. Mm, thank um, you very much. Um, okay, so uh, let's do some shout outs. Um, Andrew, have you got a shout outs? Um, probably, but I can't think what they might be. <laughs> One, we're only up to, we've been doing this 40 weeks now. Yeah. By the time we're up to a year, I might have remembered to do a shout out. Okay. How about you, Kate? Have you, have you, you got somebody you want to say 
hello to or anything like that? <laughs> um, well, just uh, just our self-portrait project, um, my own mask first. Mm-hmm. Got that. You, I'm gonna I'm gonna be cruel to you now. You did say yes. that you might have somebody that you couldn't pronounce their names and stuff. Do you, want to, do you want to give them a quick go and then? I wasn't going to be so harsh <laughs> oh and cruel on on air. To <laughs> All right, there are some people that I'm friends with on Instagram and follow and really admire their work, and I just, um, but I don't know how to pronounce their names, their last names. <laughs> have a stab. Um, go on. But Andrew Jenjigian, Jenjigian. Um, He's on Instagram just as his name, which good luck with that one. Yeah, so, <laughs> but, so, so it sounded plausible. <laughs> but he's he his work is just excellent. I, I just really admire. He does a lot of four by five and um, some medium format film and he does a lot of cyanotype printing. That's just really excellent. Um and I also really like Ray Bidigan, um, who he does I think he does palladium printing or platinum. I'm not sure which. Um but it's it's just amazing work too. Lots of um, fine art portraits. So I nearly said something. Uh, Ray Bidigan probably has hairs on his chin again, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> just edit that bit out. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I just can't blurt things out. I think there must be something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in your head, Andrew, please, for goodness' sake. And mm. uh, was 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 that it? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's, that's it. Okay. Um, if I, so if I, as I work to put the show notes together pretty much immediately after we stop this recording so we can, so Simon can put the show out, maybe just drop those links into our little Facebook chat. Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Kate, please. So I know exactly I've got the right person. Oh, that'd be good. Um, and, uh, I'm just going to do my usual shout out for the six towns darkroom club. Um, and we've, we have a, we're now an international club. Uh, as well, uh, because uh, Wayne Wayne Setzer in Tennessee has has, has joined um, the uh, the Six Towns Darkroom Club. Um, don't know if we need to call that international now or something like that. I, I think it's. Highly... What do you mean he's joined it? Well, what, he's, what's he joined? Well, exactly? he's joined the Facebook group that we have. Oh, the face- oh, I've <laughs> yeah. not joined that, have I? No, no I don't think no, I've joined no, that. No. No, no. Um, uh, but it, it was largely because um, Wayne uh, published. I think it was on the uh, the light in the the light in the dark. Uh, podcast Facebook group, and Wayne had put a, a an image in there that he he did a video of it um, doing split gray printing. Oh yeah, I watched that the other night. That's it. And I've I've heard a few things about split gray printing, and uh, it, it made so much sense the way that he he um, talked through his his operations. You know, he, mm-hmm. it, uh, it 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 did what mattered and left out the bits that didn't matter. Uh, yeah. At least I think he did anyway. Of course, I didn't see them, but I didn't put them in. <laughs> it seemed like the, what was in there was, was the important bit. And um, so um, I saw that and I, and I said, I'd like to share this in our little uh, our little group, um, just so that the guys can see it really. But it's like the only way to actually share a video, appear, as far as I was aware, is, is actually being in a group and then sharing it from that group. So, um, so he joined us and... Um, and uh, yeah, and he's starting to have conversations with the with the few of us that are actually in there. So um, thanks for uh, thanks for that, Wayne. And um, yeah, well done to the guys at the uh, Six Towns Darkroom Club. And if you want to come along on a Tuesday night, um, we're going to have a break over Christmas, uh, but we're there again next Tuesday. I think that's the seventeenth. I think I'll uh, be dropping the camera into you if you're at home on Tuesday. Uh, I won't be able to come to the Six Towns Darkroom. 
because I have to be in Manchester Tuesday night, but I was going to drop that camera off to you with some sheet film that I'll cut down. I, I just I just wish to, you know, shame you on this really because no you don't no i can't do you know what i haven't i can't even work out how to load those dark slides those wooden dark slides <laughs> but I, I one of them had a sheet of film in which i yeah i yanked out I, I didn't even slide it out i yanked it out so now i know exactly how big to cut it so yeah. i'm going to cut you some film put it in a black bag and i'll leave you to work out how to load those dark slides and deal with it because I keep tripping over this bag in my office here, and uh, it's a bit like my lab box. You know, I keep looking at it and uh, do nothing with it. So I will cut you film. Okay. And if you're at home on Tuesday on my way up north, I shall um, call in. I've, um, I've got. I've got to say that, and this is probably heresy now, but I'm. I'm. I'm thinking because. I, I, I mean, one's a meniscus lens that you have, uh, Taylor Hob Taylor Taylor Hobson yeah, meniscus lens. Yeah, I know. It's lovely. But the mm. now that I have a, a speed graphic. I can mm -hmm. use them on that. Yeah. So that's probably mm -hmm. what I'm actually going to do and probably won't be using yeah. this this old wooden brass, painted wooden brass uh, camera. Um, so I can do it far more easily on that one. But then again, yeah. if you turn up with some cut sheet film, then I'll no, we'll do. choice yeah. No, I'll, I'll do um, uh, enough sheet film to fill all the holders and then you can work it out. <laughs> okay. And this this is all because of fear of the, uh, the Thornton Picard um, mm. I'm, I'm going to break it. No, I'll break it if I play with it. I know that. So, okay. okay. And ideally, I, I, I will come to the six times dark room, but it's not going to be a while yet. So, yeah. well, we'll look yeah. forward to look forward oh, I've to got a shout out though. I've got a yeah. shout out. If you, uh, folks, if you want to um, buy Kate's book, then you can you can do so. And the easiest way is just to go to Instagram and look on the link, and it takes you to Amazon, where you can buy a hardback or a softback copy of the book is it is, is it, it called uh, i can't look it's me called lens look me in the lens and we, actually we only have soft covers left but um but they're really nice uh good quality i i was really happy with the with the it looked great i had a look last night um and it, it did look lovely are you planning on doing anything with the large format images I am hoping to continue this series with um, sort of exploring the process of becoming, uh, you know, going through puberty as a as somebody who doesn't oh, really wow. love change. Yeah. So, <laughs> just that's the next challenge for you, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, so you know that causes a lot of anxiety for him, and so we're, we're going to try and do oh. something around that. Wow. Well, on that on that note about where where that book's available, do you want to, um, Kate, let people know the the various places where people can find your work? We've covered Instagram sure. many times there, which is yeah. Kate Miller Wilson, which is very easy to find. So, where, where, where else are you? Um, that's mostly where I post, um, you know, with any regularity. I do. I am also on Flickr as Kate Miller Wilson. I haven't really been on there for a few months, but. Um, and then I have a website, Kate Nary Photography. It's N E A R Y, um, and I put some things on there sometimes too. But Instagram is the main place. Yeah, it's quite it's quite easy to find that website though. Uh, so okay. if you just do a, a, a Google search for or, or your favorite search engine uh, yeah. for Kate Miller Wilson, you will find that it's it's uh, it's one of the first uh, things that pops up along with a few articles as well. Uh, yes. that, that uh, you've been been involved with and people have written about you so uh, mm -hmm. um, that's that's worth worth a journey in itself so uh, oh, thanks so, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, Andrew, um, how -hmm. can people follow you outside of this show? Um, They can follow me on Twitter as WarboysSnapper. They can follow me on Instagram as WarboysSnapper. They can follow me on... That's it, I think, really. Oh, well, then the the Lenslet... No, Uh, what is it? Uh, The Last Format (laughs) Photography (laughs) Podcast (laughs) Facebook Group. That's it. That's the one. Um, You you may as well say the other one as well. Oh, the other one, yes. You can... can, The other Twitter feed is the Lensless Podcast. I look after that and uh, and I hang out and help look after the Facebook group. The Lensless Podcast Facebook group. Oh, can I add one more shout out? Mm, Certainly. Um, You guys have already interviewed Jason Lane, but his dry Mm -hmm. plates are just amazing yes. to work with They're yeah so much fun like I well i'm really i'm really those. excited after seeing some work and not least yours uh, we'll i'll soon have the did you back the kickstarter for the holder i didn't i already have a holder otherwise i would have yeah well i'm, I'm so i'm waiting for that to come now that i think that's progressing really well by the looks of it so that won't be too long and then I'll get me some uh, some plates i think maybe paul paul from analog wonderland should be stocking them but I've got a feeling there might be somewhere else in the UK you can get them but Analog Wonderland is probably the best place eventually he will stock them I'm sure yeah yeah um okay well my contact things are where where you can keep up with me Twitter uh, is a good one which is uh, Simon4 I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic you can hear me every week on the Classic Lenses podcast um, but I think most of the time uh, Instagram and uh, our Facebook group is probably the best place mm-hmm. um, which is the Large Format Photography Podcast Facebook group um, mm-hmm. if you want to get in touch with us then all of those all of the above would work um, but we also have an email address which is the Large Format Photography Podcast at gmail.com um, you can also listen to this show with subtitles if you uh, feel feel the need um, on YouTube because we have a YouTube channel um, and literally singles of people uh, watch our podcast um, this, this, uh, YouTube is the future um, so uh, if you just do a search for large format photography podcast and you'll find our channel and uh, this show will be will be there um, and that's it um, Kate thank you again for being wonderful oh thank you so much for having me on yeah it's been great um right so that's it for this time uh, we'll be play well it's probably playing as we speak um the uh, theme music uh, which is called two finger johnny uh, by uh kevin mcleod of incompetech.com uh, so thank you thank you to him and so uh, we hope you've enjoyed this fortnight show and Hopefully you'll come back to us in another fortnight. So goodbye. Goodbye. You can say goodbye too, Kate. (laughs) Oh, goodbye.